Welcome to the Philadelphia Personal Injury Lawyers Podcast, where I hope that I'll be able to give answers to common questions to you folks who may have been seriously hurt by the carelessness of some other person or company or doctor or truck driver. Today's topic is catastrophic injury. What is catastrophic injury? It's the kind of injury that creates a problem in your life that is permanent, debilitating, prevents you from returning to work, prevents you from engaging in the normal and usual activities of your daily life. And it's the kind of injury that you might understand as a traumatic brain injury an amputation of one of your extremities. Perhaps it's related to a spinal cord injury like paralysis. Um, It could be a devastating injury to one of your internal organs. It could be any nature of injury to your body. The most important thing about defining what a catastrophic injury is, is how it affects your life. Because the same injury to me, a lawyer, maybe I lose a couple of fingers in an accident. Well, I'm still going to be able to do my job. I'm 58 years old. My days of having catches with my boys are over, unfortunately. But if you're a 32-year-old surgeon, and you lose your two fingers, that injury is a catastrophic injury to you. So the definition of a catastrophic injury is not necessarily what the injury is, but how it affects your life and affects the lives of your loved ones. Frankly, a catastrophic injury could be your death and the catastrophe that befalls your family as a result of the that injury. Um, so I guess we'd start number one with death as the type of catastrophe that could befall you um, or a loved one. Uh, when we talked about brain injury, there are all sorts of brain injuries and there are minor traumatic brain injuries. Um, and then there are brain Injuries that can be seen radiographically, like on a CT scan, like a brain bleed, okay? Now, a brain bleed that can be seen on a CT scan and that may require urgent surgery, uh, maybe you need to have uh, a surgery to take a portion of your skull to allow your brain to properly uh, not not swell inside that, that tight compartment of your skull, that needs time to uh, expand and not kill you, um, was easily understood to be perhaps a catastrophic injury. But a head injury or a brain injury, which cannot be seen on a CT scan, doesn't necessarily mean it's not catastrophic if it affects your life catastrophically. The same thing is true about every single injury. You may have a fractured leg. Um, I represented a a young man who went to an emergency department with uh, knee pain. 
and he it was a runner um and they did some x-rays the the x-rays were interpreted as being normal and he was told to follow up with his orthopedic surgeon in a week a day later he's walking just walking normally and his leg snapped in half his 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 thigh snapped in half the emergency department and the reading radiologist had missed a hairline fracture of his femur now if that hairline fracture of his femur had been diagnosed in the emergency department properly that would have been an injury that would have been repaired either with a, a, a rod in the thigh or even non-surgically with maybe a brace to prevent any further fracturing of the hairline fracture. But because he was permitted to walk normally and the fracture was not braced, he had a very serious injury that now prevented the ability to have the kind of treatment that he should have had initially. That injury went from a normal, run-of-the-mill, easy-to-repair injury to a catastrophic injury because of the effect on his life. He was a forklift operator. He couldn't return to his work. He had to have a major surgery with plates and screws. As a result of that major surgery, his knee degenerated to a point that he needed a knee replacement. The knee replacement surgery went bad and he's never been able to return to work as a forklift operator, despite the fact that he's a young man, simply from what was initially a minor injury and the failure to diagnose it properly. So the ca catastrophe is really the important consideration in understanding whether there's a catastrophic injury. But there are some injuries that we don't know right from the start how they're going to affect your life. A minor traumatic brain injury, hopefully, you can recover from in three or four weeks with some treatment. Some people, unfortunately, have permanent, long-lasting problems that prevent them from engaging in the normal activities of their daily life. And maybe we don't know for a year to two years that that's going to be a, traumatic, a, a catastrophic injury. So the reason why I'm telling you that is it's so important when you've been involved in an injury or your family has been involved in an injury, even when you think that it's not going to be a significant thing, and hopefully it won't be, and 99% of the time it won't be, but it's that 1% of the time that you have to be concerned about. And there are certain things that are important to do when you're, in, when you're involved in any injury, whether it be a catastrophic injury or not. You need to preserve evidence immediately. You can't rely upon the police who may be coming to the scene who are incredibly busy and trying their very, very best to do their jobs. They don't are not there to investigate what happened in your circumstance. They're there to address the emergency and be done with it and move on to the next thing that's an emergency for them. You need to engage professionals. A lawyer um, is the most likely professional to immediately preserve the information that is going to protect you and able to uh, use that information to best uh, protect your needs should that injury, which we hope you recover from quickly and probably don't even need to bring a claim. That would be great. But God forbid 
it becomes a catastrophic injury, you've preserved the evidence. And what kind of evidence am I talking about that you would preserve? Well, it depends what the circumstance is, but you always want to preserve the evidence that exists at the scene of any incident. If it's a motor vehicle crash, you need photographs of all the vehicles, all the surroundings. You need to know who the names of people are. Perhaps you don't know who they are, and perhaps you're relying on the police to do that, and that's fine. I can tell you that the police often aren't there to collect witness information other than maybe to write a ticket. So it's important when you're there at the scene to, and maybe you can't do this for yourself in a car crash, but call, call somebody. Have them come to the scene. Have them protect your interests. Have that person ask questions. Have that person ask the names of any eyewitnesses. Have that person take photographs of property damage and the location of where the vehicles are. Have that person find out who the responding EMS people are, who the responding police officers are, what the report of the police department, the, they give it a number all the time, what that number is, the insurance company for the other parties involved. If you can't do it yourself, this is important for other people to help you. Um, I know that uh, my sons, uh, I have three boys, and uh, of course, as three boys would, they've had some car accidents, uh, and they've been smart enough uh, that their first call is to their mom, um, and their mom knows what to do. Their mom says, well, make sure you get pictures. Make sure you find out the name of the other driver. Make sure that you name, understand who the police officer is. Make sure that you find out that everybody's okay. These are the kinds of things that need to be done in case your injury becomes a catastrophic one later on, God forbid. Well, a, a spinal cord injury can occur due to many different mechanisms. Um, we know the prevalence of motor vehicle crashes in this country, but actually something twice as prevalent is falls. And uh, falls occur oftentimes due to um, improper um, surfaces, improper warnings. Um, uh, maybe even you don't even have to fall down. Sometimes if you're an older person, you can miss a step. You can uh, um, think that there's something there that you're stepping onto and it's not there and you, you suddenly step down hard. The mechanism of, of spinal cord injuries is numerous. What a spinal cord injury means is that we all have a backbone. And that is our spinal cord. And inside the spinal cord, inside that backbone is our spinal cord. Uh, and from the spinal cord are all the nerves that energate or enervate all of the, um, not just the muscles in our body, but also organs in our body. So if we injure our spinal cord or we injure any of the bony protections of our spinal cord, let me give you an idea of what I mean by a bony protection. Um, I have this spinal cord model right here, okay? So you can see that this is a spinal cord, and these are the bones called the intervertebral bodies, and in between the interverte intervertebral bodies are called discs. These are like the shock absorbers in our, in our spine, and it goes from our neck uh, to our low back. Then we have coming out of the spinal cord are the nerves that enervate our muscles, enervate our organs. So if an injury occurs to any part of our 
our, our um, spinal canal, our spine, it can injure these discs, it can injure these nerves. And what happens is someone then has a resulting inability to, or they have a lot of pain, may be the primary um, symptom initially, but they may have other um, consequences as well. Uh, they may uh, un not be able to do the things that they like to do, either because of pain that radiates now into one of your extremities, your arms, your legs. Um, uh, you may have uh, other kinds of disabling feelings as a result of the injury to those nerves. Obviously, the most catastrophic injuries are where there is a total interruption of the uh, electricity that runs along that nerve that is injured as a result of the traumatic injury. And that loss of electricity could lead to a partial paralysis. When someone, however, acts carelessly and causes you injury, the person who acts carelessly takes their victim as they find them. We call that the eggshell plaintiff. Uh, the eggshell plaintiff rule means that, kind of just like what it says, simply because you've been caused a traumatic injury that someone else may not have under the same or similar circumstances does not mean that you're not entitled to compensation. And this is what the defense tries to do in every single one of these cases. They try to suggest that the traumatic event that you experienced is not enough force, not enough energy, not enough of a problem to have created the situation that you're complaining of. And they call you a malingerer. They call you a liar. They try to suggest that you are making this up for financial gain. And you need a lawyer who is going to fight against the insurance carriers who are always making that same argument. They'll go back and get the medical records of you for the past 20 years and find you know, 10 years ago, you complained about a twitch in your back and they'll hire a doctor who will say that problem started 10 years ago that he's complaining about now, ladies and gentlemen. This is all made up in order to take advantage of this opportunity where there was this minor accident. You need an advocate who is going to fight for you when really you have suffered the kind of spinal cord injury we're talking about in this case, which could be a herniated disc. It could be what is known as radiculopathy, where that herniated disc then causes a radiation of pain into your extremities. You need someone who's going to be able to fight for you and fight against the argument that you're a liar, because that's essentially what the defense will say. One of the things that I do when I evaluate a case is understand whether or not a patient or a client has pre-existing issues, okay? Because that's important for me to understand the, the medical circumstances in the case. I don't, there are very few situations where someone does not have pre-existing circumstances of one kind or another, okay? So let's say you come to me and you say, Mr. Barada, I've been involved in this motor vehicle wreck and I am feeling tremendous pain in my lower back. The pain is radiating into my legs. Um, I used to be a runner and I can't run now. 
In fact, I can't sleep. Um, I'm not getting any relief of this pain. I go to the doctor and the doctor has sent me to physical therapy, but the physical therapy is not helping. Um, I've never had this pain before. I've never had this dysfunction. The MRI the doctor sent me to doesn't show a clear cause for my problem. Can you help me? And you may say to yourself, wow, um, is that a common circumstance? That's a very common circumstance. And now, what do I do? I have to do all of my investigative work before we pursue a claim on your behalf. We don't just come out of the box saying that um, what you've told me is 100% true. I believe it, but I have to prove it. And I can't prove it simply by relying upon your word alone. I have to look at all of your past medical records. I have to understand that through your doctors. I have to speak to the people in your life, your wife, your children, your friends, the people you work with. I have to understand whether or not what you're telling me is true. Was was Joe this you know avid runner that he tells me he is? Was that an important part of his life? Have you seen a change in his life? Have you seen him not be able to run? Have you seen him not be able to do the things that you saw him regularly doing? Have you seen a change in his behavior? What is it? So you see that we are gathering evidence. We are gathering information. We're finding out from your medical records that, you know what? It's true. Joe never complained about having this pain that radiates in his legs before. Um, he never had um, any circumstance with any medical treatment that he needed for that kind of injury. His his buddy, jo uh, uh, John, who he runs with every day, uh, every week, says he's not running with him anymore. And he's got to find another new running partner. His boss says um, he looks tired when he comes into work now. He doesn't look like he's well rested. He's not giving me the I don't perceive I'm getting the same effort. Maybe it's because he's in pain. Um, these are the kinds of things that we need to learn so that then we can walk into a courtroom and say that this event, even if the objective evidence doesn't show that you've suffered, you know, an obvious herniated disc that, you know, causes a radiculopathy or ra radiation of pain into your lower extremities. We have to be able to prove th through the absence of, uh, any indicia in your pre-existing medical records that you've had similar problems before. We have to show through your treating physicians that the mechanism of this accident is the kind of mechanism that could create the kind of injury that you have. We have to prove through the people who are in your life, your coworkers, your boss, your family, your friends, that you are a different person than you were before the accident. This is all information that has to be accumulated by the lawyer in order to best represent you before you begin your litigation and your fight against the insurance company who's going to look at those MRIs and say, you know what, this is all pre-existing. This is all stuff that we can see um, existed in these films before this auto wreck that you're saying is the cause of this, this auto wreck didn't cause any new problem for Joe. Joe should have recovered from this problem with the three months of physical therapy treatment. Joe is making this up in order to 
gain money, to take advantage of the situation. We have to anticipate that that's going to be the defense in any pre-existing injury or pre-existing issue circumstance and be able to prove why that argument is false. If you are involved in a slip and fall or a car accident or any traumatic event in which the defendant, the person who's responsible or the company who's responsible um, for causing the injury approaches you and offers you a financial settlement, that is a red flag. And that is a red flag of caution. Why? Well, typically that doesn't happen. It happens in circumstances where the insurance company is trying to take advantage of you. They're trying to take advantage of the fact that you have not obtained a lawyer, who you've not obtained an advocate on your behalf, to see, to, to uh, take advantage of the information that you don't yet have. Think about it. Do you know how hurt you are? Do you know until you've been diagnosed by a physician, all the proper tests have been conducted, you have a course of treatment, and you know that course of treatment has been successful and you no longer have any pain or problem? If you're in that circumstance and the insurance company approaches you about a quick and easy settlement, that is the only circumstance in which you should have a conversation with the insurance company. But I guarantee you that they're not going to value even that injury properly. They're going to try to discount it. And maybe you say to yourself, well, I'm going to have to pay a lawyer, so I might as well you know, try to resolve this myself. And there are a few circumstances that may be um, an appropriate course to take. And I frankly will tell you, I've had circumstances where people have approached me like that. And I've said, sounds to me like you're in a better position to do this yourself. I think any honest lawyer, when you call them and you speak to them and talk to them for their advice, my impression of lawyers and the lawyers that I know is that they really want to help you. They really want what is in your best interest. And if it's in your best interest to resolve a case quickly with the insurance company, I think an honest lawyer will tell you that. I think it's a rare circumstance where that would occur. And I think that it's important for you to give it time and for you to have an advocate. Do you know a professional athlete who negotiates his own contract with the, the team that he plays for? Or an actor who negotiates their own contracts with the movie studio? Um, everybody who has a, a, a matter of importance has an agent. And that agent in my world, in the injury world, in the personal injury world, and this is the Philadelphia Personal Injury Podcast, lawyer's version, um, I'm the agent. And a lawyer who represents you is the agent. If you are in a circumstance where you are approached quickly after a motor vehicle wreck or a slip and fall by the insurance company and they want to offer you some money, that's a red flag to contact a lawyer and get some advice as to what it is that you should do. Thank you for joining us today at the Philadelphia Personal Injury Lawyers Podcast. I hope this has been helpful to you and I look forward to uh, seeing you again uh, in future podcasts. Please 
If you need any information at all, call our phone number at 215-914-8132. Our website is www.baradalawfirm.com and I am Tony Barada and you can reach me at Tony at Thank you.